0: to do a very random episode about when like celebrities that you're very attached to die aka me talking about Chester Bennington <laughs> um he's not the only celebrity that has died that I'm very attached to but I found myself thinking about it and wanted to redo almost there's like three episodes that I've done on here talk kind of talking about that through the years, but I deleted the other ones and just felt like we're doing them and Today was a shit day um we had a snowstorm, and I lost power for overnight um so i've so I took the day off of work since I hardly got any sleep um last night since we were out of power until this morning, so um. Why not use that opportunity to talk about whatever the fuck I feel like it on this here podcast. So, for anyone who's younger or who doesn't know who he is, um, Chester Bennington was the lead singer from the band Linkin Park. He died by suicide in 2017. And it's really one of those weird sort of life circumstances that... I grew up listening to their music, um, I can remember hearing Crawling when I was a junior in high school, which was back in 2001, and, um, their CD came out, like, October of 2000, and that when I heard In the End especially, I really loved it, um, I really liked Crawling, but I especially liked In the End, and that's what made me get the CD and, um... Ever since then, the two CDs, the first two CDs that they put out um, were kind of the, it's kind of a stereotypical thing of, like, listening to the most popular CDs by a band, but it was more that those two CDs encapsulated my, like, mental state, which was that I was very depressed because of, um, because of my abusive family, and, like, I didn't realize it I knew that there was that Chester didn't have a a good family just from their music, like duh. But I didn't realize at the time that he was also a child sexual, sexual abuse victim either. Um, And ended up like realizing it much later on. Um, It's one of those wild things that. um, That I just felt like connected to his voice, his His, um, singing voice was so beautiful and, um, yeah, I just always felt an attachment to him and then by extension the rest of the band because, but it was all because of him. Um, and then realizing when I was an adult in 2018, when I went back to therapy and started really heavily listening to them and started looking up their other CDs and I realized that he was also a child sexual abuse victim And was raped for seven years by a family friend um, whose dad was a police officer who investigated child sex crimes. So there's no way that he didn't know what was going on and just probably just put himself in denial over it because it made him look like a horrible dad, I would imagine. Um, But yeah, I I just felt this connection to him. And it was this weird thing where during the time of my life, when I was the most suicidal, I felt this connection to an artist who had completed suicide. Um, And, but for me, it was like something that was actually really good for me. It sounds backwards, but it was good for me because I kind of saw an example of what could happen if I did it. And that was a big part of what made me not try. In 2019 when i wanted to because i saw how his parents or i saw his how his mom and his sister were trying to change who he was as a person after he was gone so that to like be somebody that was easier for them to deal with because they had you know harmed him in his life and that's hard to deal with once they're gone Um, and I knew that my mom would do the same thing. My mom had done that about my dad. My dad, my mom made my dad's funeral all about her. And I knew that she would turn me into somebody and lie about things about me if I wasn't here to stop her. Um, I really hated the fact that I couldn't, she wouldn't even let me die during that year. I'm glad that I'm still here now, though. But, um, talking about, thinking about that whole situation of like when a celebrity, dies especially when they die in that way when it's a very tragic thing um I feel like it's a very unique kind of circumstance for the people who do know them in their life who are trying to mourn that person and like that was really the thing that I felt like I wanted to make an episode about because I feel like that's a very complex thing to kind of be thrust into and I feel like a lot of the people around Chester did like the band members have done a really good job of kind of balancing all of that, but it definitely was like not easy and it must make like, there's something so unique about that sort of grieving process because everything that you're doing in it is being watched by thousands of sometimes millions, depending on who it is, thousands to millions of people. And they all may have, opinions about where you are in your grieving process and there's nothing that you can do about that because especially because they don't actually know you um they only have this like parasocial bond with you and so even if you're someone like me who followed that band for over for like 20 years um I don't actually I never actually knew Chester Bennington I can I watched a ton of interviews about him And I feel like I understand who he was, um, but that doesn't mean that I actually knew him. And, but like, just because I didn't, doesn't mean that I don't have some sort of a parasocial bond with that person and didn't have to grieve him on my own, because I did, and much like a lot of other fans did too. And just because, and that must be so weird to deal with, but it's a part of it when somebody in the public eye like that dies um I think it's especially hard when the thing that I think the reason why I think um Chester is one that tends to come up like I I still see people making videos about him on TikTok I still see people mention him which is nice really nice since it's been you know it'll be six years this year since he's died Um, that one of the things that I think that it was also very difficult for everyone involved, like who personally knew him, because there's this weird dynamic when you're a somebody who is a child sex abuse victim who talks about being a child abuse victim in general, and you kind of make your mental health kind of journey a part of your story. Because I can be like a very dehumanizing thing very quickly in the way that like you are, you become like this inspirational figure and people feel a connection to you because they went through similar things as you and it can make you feel like you're not allowed to talk about when you're struggling and it can make it really hard for people to for you to discuss with people near you when you're struggling with things and when you need help which is already really hard when you've been through abuse like that because you don't you don't want to feel like you're letting like your fans down or like letting um people in general down who look towards you for support and look towards your music um for support to like keep going you don't want those people to then feel like that like you're being a hypocrite or whatever like i feel that on a very small level um because i am obviously not a famous person in any way shape or form but i feel that on a small level with how i talk about on here and on tiktok and stuff about um especially on tiktok i feel that kind of little bit of pressure but in an opposite way so For me, like the way that I use TikTok and stuff is that I use it to talk about things that I'm struggling with and things that like, as I'm going through things during the process of recovery or I see a video that reminds me of something that I struggled with in the past, I talk about it not only as a way for me to like deal with it, but also in the hopes that me talking about it will be helpful to somebody else. Or if there's something that I've dealt with but I feel like I have a better understanding of it, I will make a video to talk about it in the hopes that somebody who's struggling with that will see it and they will have an easier time than I did figuring it out since they had somebody like me who's already been through it before there to, like, kind of help explain some stuff to make it easier. Um, But one thing with, like, when you make videos about that is that one one dynamic when you do that stuff that's hard is that you 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 realize pretty quickly that a lot of times the videos where you're talking about more like depressing or like dark or fucked up sort of traumas kind of subjects are the ones that tend to get the most attention like I remember once that I was talking about the like messed up sort of things you think when you're a kid being abused by someone in your family and you just want them to leave you alone. Um, And I put like a warning, like a trigger warning on the video that said like more like messed up sides of child abuse. And that video ended up getting more views than normal. And I just like had to laugh because people saw that trigger warning and just wanted to hear what I was talking about because they it's it's. It's a very like weird and like dehumanizing feeling to feel, to see that if you like trot your most fucked up trauma out there and share it with people in a way that you know isn't healthy, that people will, more people will see like your content. It just makes you feel like, like I I see this happen a lot with accounts that talk about trauma or even like some accounts that talk about being chronically ill or whatever, that if their entire account becomes talking about the things that they're struggling with and that's like what their audience is and that's who's watching their stuff if you start to like improve then like if you find like some treatment that helps you um with like chronically ill things if you you know go to and get like treatment uh, or whatever with like trauma and ptsd that helps Im- greatly improve the quality of your life then it, it feels like almost like you're almost like looking for things to say that that are like depressing and sad still because that's what your audience wants and they don't you're almost like it's almost like you're worried that they like won't want to watch you anymore if you're doing better and so um I feel like Chester was the opposite circumstance where people kind of knew of him their very first couple CDs where when he was greatly struggling with things and life was like chaotic then he was able to get sober and um, people from that point on kind of looked at him as this inspirational person that experienced like child sexual abuse an abusive family being abandoned by everyone addiction all of this stuff and was able to get like his head on straight and get his life back together. And so from that moment on, I think, which was around like 2006, 2007, I think that he struggled a lot with ever like having times where he was still admitting that he was depressed, which just like makes things harder. And um, ironically, like him dying is was such a huge shock for people, partly, I think, because um, he felt like he couldn't be honest when he was having a hard time. Um, or like be honest when he was just struggling with things that were coming up that, that if like he had people to go to that he could talk to that stuff about and felt like it wouldn't, that he wouldn't be worried about like what people would think or if they would like worry about him more. If he did because of all the back and forth that he's gone through in his life, then maybe things wouldn't have gone how they did, but like all of that stuff influences you. You can't. Even in your own personal lives, like you can't act like that sort of pressure of knowing that people look up to you, people look to you as an inspirational figure, and you want to be able to be there for them and like almost show like what life can be like when you work on your on your shit and get through things like you want to be able to do that for people, but that's not like a that's not like a but it also makes it really hard when things start struggling and it makes it makes you feel almost like res- I would imagine that it would make you feel almost like resentful of the people that look up to you in that way, because you would just almost wish that they wouldn't look at you anymore so that you would have the time and space in order to like just go through these things with the people close to you without having to worry that like your fans were going to find out that you were struggling again and panic and have to, like, deal with, like, their reaction as well, and, and so I feel like one thing, the reason why I wanted to make this episode really was, um, there was an, uh, that happened with Chester after he died with, um, his, like, best friend in the band whose name, Mike Shinoda, who is the, the other writer of the band and the other singer and, um, rapper besides Chester and um I found that dynamic really interesting when um with the fans and things like that because like when when I fir- when I got like one thing that I didn't really explain in the beginning of this episode is that the whole reason why I only listened to their first two CDs for the first like however many years that I liked them from like 2001 to like 2018 um was because my mental space, like my mental health space, the way that I thought was stuck in those two CDs. And I didn't want to move forward, even though I heard some of the songs from those other CDs and really liked them. I never searched them out or listened to them or anything because the things that I used their music for was they were like the band that I would go to when I was feeling angry. And I was so afraid of ever being angry that it like... Um, that listening to Chester and his music and him screaming songs on the first two CDs was like one of the very rare ways that I could like, that I felt like I could let that anger out. And I would just listen to their music for a couple hours, um, and feel better. And so I, I didn't want to listen to the other songs where he had like worked on things and started feeling better because I didn't feel better. I was still like in that beginning place that he was in those first couple CDs And so then in 2018 when I went back to therapy and started admitting everything and I started listening to their music again because I was like angry remembering all of this abuse that I had been through and I started like wanting to look up all of their other music and listen to the rest of their catalog and stuff. um, That's why I started doing that. And so during that time, it was a really interesting time kind of for me to be doing that because I remember... um, that when I was still working my last attorney job in 2018, before I ended up, like, being fired that year, um, I was, I remember I was on, like, this, on Spotify, like, the web version of Spotify that I used on my work computer to listen to music, and I found, um, and I was going through, like, the Linkin Park, like, CDs in order, listening to them all, and I got this like pop-up or whatever on Spotify that Mike Shinoda put out a new CD that was called post-traumatic and I was like oh god like just looking at that that um that title would tell me that that was obviously about not only because they would have been like like a year since Chester died that I knew that it was about Chester dying and it, um but I knew there was nowhere I was nowhere near like, ready to listen to something like that yet, um, and so I just, like, I didn't actually listen to that CD until, like, nine months later, like, sometime in 2019, I finally listened to it when I was feeling super duper suicidal, um, because that CD is very, I can barely listen to it at all, um, even back then, I could barely listen to it, I only listened to it all the way through, maybe, like, twice, Um, and because the music is so raw and emotional and just like his grief just all on display and like there are a couple there are two songs from that cd that i was obsessed with that when i listen to them now i it just it reminds me so much of that time that i almost can't listen to it very often because of how much i identify those feelings of that time with those songs but they're the only so- two songs out of, like, a 17-song CD I can listen to because the rest of them are just too sad um, because of how how much how, how much of his grief is just, like, out there. um, But I felt like that time, like, being around and, like, le- seeing people online who are talking about Linkin Park, like, the fandom that they still had during that time was a very weird time to be kind of interacting with it because of that, because Mike had just put out this CD where he was that it was all about Chester. He was, he went on a tour where he um, would do like nightly speeches, talking about him, telling stories about him that some of them nobody had ever heard before. And the, the dynamic of with Mike that I think was interesting was how he was also forced to have his like grief and his mental health um be like kind of public information after Chester died it was one of those like weird I don't know if it's weird but it was just kind of an unknown like circumstance like that no one that I doubt like anyone like Chester or anyone else would have ever thought would happen but it's one of those ironic things that Chester likely felt this pressure to live up to being like this inspirational like mental health figure for child like sex abuse victims or just child abuse victims um and that was probably a part of a bunch of things that likely led to him like dying like it's not like it was that was the only reason there's like the whole the whole and like frustrating thing about suicide is that there is never I I feel like people want there to be like a definitive reason like oh this thing happened and that pushed them over the edge The horrible part about suicide is that a lot of the times when we try or when we think about doing it, it's, it's like, it just happens to be like the worst possible set of circumstances present themselves. Like you're in a really depressed place for whatever reason, you don't feel like you can talk to other people, a bunch of upsetting things happen and you just tend, and you're just in like an impulsive place where you're, you're, where you would make a decision like that and not really think it through. Um that's really why people do it which is why it's hard to ever say like oh they would never do that because you never know when somebody's going to be struggling and just feeling like impulsive like that and not and don't have somebody around or don't reach out to anybody to that could possibly like calm them down you just never know um but what i was saying about mike is that one of the things i thought was kind of ironic was that um that dynamic of Chester feeling like he had to be like this inspirational person for people likely may have like contributed to him feeling like he had to hide when he was struggling mentally from his family and friends and stuff too, because I know how that feels that (laughs) I very much know how that feels. That's something very hard that when you've struggled big time and been super depressed and he talked about how he was super depressed in 2015 and 2016 um and was like feeling and was talking about how he was feeling better in 2017 and i believe him i don't think that he was lying about that but um you know you like i said you just never know when you're in like the worst place and have like an impulsive moment um but i i know what it's like to struggle like that hugely and then feel like this pressure to hide it from If when you do start struggling again, feeling like this pressure to not bring it up to people because you don't want to worry people that you love after putting them, after feeling like you put them through that the first time, you don't want them to feel like they need to worry about you again after things have improved and they don't have to do that. Like, I remember in like 2020 and stuff that I was afraid to tell my sister things because anytime I ever mentioned that I felt that I was like, you know, going through a time where I was depressed or I was upset about something, she would like ask me all these questions if I was okay. And I could tell that she was doing that because she, you know, lived through two years of me being very much not okay. And it made me like start to, you know, pull away and not tell her about stuff like that because I, I didn't want to make her upset. And I'm sure that that's part of the dynamic that was happening there too. And I'm trying to say that I I think that it's ironic that that likely was a part of what happened of why what happened to Chester happened and then after he died the same kind of thing happened to his best friend to Mike without him probably realizing that that would happen because um because of because of the fact that he was such a public figure and especially like their music and him was like very he was like this kind of person that so many people in like the millennial age group look up to because of talking about depression like he was talking about being depressed and being a child sex sexual abuse victim back in like 2001 like when nobody was talking about that shit at all and so he was somebody that um was kind of the first person that really put those feelings to in like word form for people for an entire generation of people that now were feeling completely shattered by the by the fact that he like, that his life ended that way. And because it was such like a public thing that like fans were like at the, at like his house, like right after it happened because TMZ is the worst people in the entire world. um, That like, p- that everything was like their grief was so like public. Like they did this amazing show and about two months after he died, that was basically the longest eulogy of all time. That was like a two and a half hour long show that I still like refuse to watch and probably will never watch because it's just too hard to see them all playing all these songs without him. Um, but it was an amazingly emotional show. And like after he died, they put basically everything into doing that show. They like stayed together and had to keep themselves from falling apart until they could do that show but then once that show was over it was like okay now what do we do like um part of the whole thing with lincoln park as a band and for any successful band but especially for the way that they kind of worked as a band um chester and mike were like such the driving force behind the band um i'm not trying to downplay the importance of the other members but Like, they were the two singers. They wrote all of their, all the lyrics for all of their songs. They were the only ones who wrote lyrics on any of the songs, pretty much. Um, And so, and they, like, they wrote a lot of, like, the music stuff, too. The other members helped write some of the music stuff, but you know what I mean? Like, they were the, like, every band has kind of, like, the musical, like, like, creative inspiration, just, like, source that where they just, like, they just like hit hit off of each other almost they get inspired by each other's music and they just kind of always have that drive to like never stop and continue making music and that was and mike and chester were definitely like that drive for that band and now chester was gone and so now there's a whole bunch of songs that they can never ever perform live because he's not here they can't imagine anyone else joining the band so that's out and it like making new music would be very challenging because now Mike is having to write every song all on his own instead of having his like, his like friend and his, and his co writing like partner to like bounce things off of, like they've done for the last like 20 years. They definitely made all of their music and all of their art in general, even the music that they did in like side projects separately, much better because of that dynamic. And, it, um, and on top of that fact, that's, like, one of their closest friends. Like, they were, like, a family. They knew. Ev- everyone knew each other. Everyone was really close. They, like, grew up together. And and Mike and Chester were very close friends. They, like, would spend time seeing each other even when the band was on breaks. Like, I always think it's one of the funniest things that in July of, of that year, before he died, like, he died the third week of July in 2017. And... In the first, like, and they, like, went on a break um, for, like, two and a half weeks. And in that two and a half weeks, Mike and Chester met up, like, three different times. <laughs> and they didn't have to. They were on a break from, like, their tour for a month. And they still, like, saw each other that many times. Because they genuinely loved and cared about each other. And so suddenly this, like, huge, like, gaping hole is just in their life. But also... They can't comp- he couldn't completely like disappear because their fans were there. Like, and they care about their fans and um, they care about what happens to their fans. Like, all of every member of that band was very aware that there were people who loved their music because they felt this attachment to Chester because he like put words to a lot of things that child abuse victims go through. There's, like, all these interviews with them and, like, videos on, like, the official Lincoln Park um, channel. They put out, like, a bunch of YouTube videos through the years of them, like, when they were on tour and things like that, of them behind the scenes. And there's a bunch of videos of them during the years of, like, fans coming up to Chester and giving them, like, a letter or, like, a book that they wrote. and Or, like, a lot of times it was a letter of them talking about the things that they had been through in their life and how his music and him helped them get through it and it's interesting to watch because Chester is saying in the in some of those interviews that he feels like he needs to read those because the fans gave them to him and they like trust him with it and you can see like Mike's face in the background how he's like not sure about that because I'm I'm very sure that a lot of those things that people were saying to him in those in those um letters were very triggering for him personally I know that that's like I would feel the same if that kind of stuff happened with me, and um yeah, so that they all knew that there were fans that struggled with suicide, and now this person that was like a light for them that gave them hope who like one of the very rare people in this world who understood what they were struggling with and understood how hard it was, was suddenly like gone because they had given into that and it's like now what do they what do we do like that's such a horrifically triggering thing to happen and even if the fans don't have a personal relationship with them we all felt like the loss and we're also grieving that loss in our lives too and still are and so it's like how do you figure out how do you grieve this like ginormously huge loss of your life of like your best friend your bandmate um you're like the co-writing like partner of yours like every every creativity thing you've ever done you've always like showed it to them as like inspiration your kids know them there, you know their kids like so many different relationships all wrapped up together how do how are you supposed to grieve that after losing them in such a horrible way well but like at the same time knowing that you can't really like leave the public eye completely because if you do then the fans that are out there might be struggling and i'm sure that it was like unbearable for for mike and the other members of the band especially mike to imagine another an, another fan dying because of because of chester dying um and so then it's like what do you do you like try to almost live in both of those worlds and that's really hard to do and that's essentially what mike was doing the first couple years that all of this happened he was like trying to they like put out a live album that they're working on before he died and he would try to do live streams of him listening to it but it was just too it was so it was awful seeing those clips afterwards because it was just so obvious that he was just grieving way too much and it was nowhere near ready to like listen to his voice like that but was trying to anyway for the fan's sake and he like he wanted to he was so desperate to get out there and go on tour again and and put out his cd pretty much as soon as he could like a little under a year after chester died and then spent like a good part of 2018 and 2019 on tour um and like the part of this story that i thought was really interesting to watch because 2019 was when i started following this stuff and 2020 seeing it go into 2020 when COVID happened was so COVID happened so like I'm sure that if if 2020 had happened in like the fantasy world that exists where COVID never happened that Mike likely would have gone on like maybe another tour or something but he obviously couldn't because of COVID so instead he started doing these like daily streams on Twitch he would just like play for a couple hours or so like experiment with like writing a new song a little bit of music on like the equipment he had or he would um sometimes he would like try to write lyrics or he would like have days where he would draw on his iPad and show the process of him making art and stuff like that and it became a part of like his whole process but also I remember watching it during that time and being like glad that it was happening especially during like the first few months of um you know of 2020 when when everyone um everyone had to stay home even when we could have masks like how we there was no vaccine and we couldn't really go out and do anything and it was kind of like a nice reprieve when like the all the BLM protests started and there's just horrible things happening on the news every single day it was a nice reprieve during that time to have like a couple hour break of just being like creative to watch him be creative during that time and um but I always remember that I always remember thinking that knowing also in the back of my mind that at some point he was he should stop I remember thinking, like, at some point, you're, dude, you're going to have to stop going live like this because you need to, like, you need to, like, take space for yourself. Um, You need to, like, make, go through, like, the more of the grieving process privately again. Like, he was kind of forced to put everything out there after Chester died because he wanted to make sure that their fans were okay and, and that, and they're forever grateful and like dedicated to him for that. The post-traumatic CD that he put out in 2018 is honestly the best CD I've ever heard when it comes to talking about the complexities of somebody dying in, in your life, especially from suicide and all the different feelings and emotions that come with something like that. When you're the best friend of the person who does it and, or just like close to the person who does it. And, um, and it, it's an amazing gift for the fans. And like the CD that he, or the the tour that he went on was very special. And the clips from it are always going to, I think, make people cry because they're just him very putting, very much putting himself out there in a way that he usually beforehand didn't. It was very much him like going through the grieving process in front of his fans, in front of their fans. Um, And, but like at some point, during that, you have to actually like, you know, there has to be a point where he does things privately. And like some things came up during those years where I would think that, but I also recognized that he wasn't really ready for that yet. But like, I remember that like some fans were upset, like a fan that I became like friendly with online. I remember her telling me that before I was around that in 2017, End of 2017, that there were a couple times that Mike would make comments about like, oh well, like I can't be there to check on him all the time, and things like that. And I was like, yeah, that's the kind of stuff you say when you're grieving and you're a huge mess because you're blaming yourself and you're trying to push back on that blame. And I'm like, but I, but I remember telling them like to, to try not to hold that against him because that's the things that you say when you're like overwhelmed with grief and you don't know what to do. And like, because, because he was such like a beloved figure for Lincoln park fans, especially after Chester died, so many people were really scared and worried about how he would be and how he would survive because everyone knew how close they were that like everything he said like that, when you're, when he was somebody seriously grieving and just like, traumatized and and just like lost was like being picked apart by fans everything goes single thing he said was so important to people and so like you one of the things that I tend to say about people who are um people like trauma victims is that you need to be able to make mistakes and he wasn't really he made some mistakes but it was very hard for him to do that because he knew that Every time he made a mistake, likely, like, the there would be, like, a fan reaction to those mistakes. And there was. And it's that kind of pressure is just not something that someone can live under for a long time. And then when, like, Chester's ridiculous family started scapegoating Mike for all of their grief, like, trying to say that he was a bad person and not a good friend to Chester and things like that, purely because they just couldn't handle the fact that this person in their family died by suicide because of what they went through when he was a child that they abandoned him to. Um, like that stuff just made all of that made it much worse that there was like this group of people that were trying to make Mike look bad. And so those few times when he would make a mistake publicly, it like always brought this discourse of like, see, we're right about him. And that's just like, And that also was very hard on the fans. It was horrible to watch that happen in front of us. And, like, that just made all of the grief from everything even more complicated. Because Chester is a human being. He's a person. He was a flawed human. He was not a perfect angel. He would make mistakes, too. He did make mistakes in his life. He talked about that pretty extensively. But, like, when... but. Like that kind of dynamic makes you feel like you need, and like when somebody dies, it's very normal to kind of look back at them and be able to, to, the only way to like really like work through huge grief like that is to let yourself acknowledge the parts of them that bothered you, the things that made, that they did that made you upset, the stuff that you're mad at them over, the, the times when you're frustrated at them because of, because of the fact that they're now gone. And, it, in that like climate though it was like impossible for any of that to be happening because of how the fans were like almost deifying him after he was gone and i admit that i would i was a part of that too because because he was gone and that's just like people's when you love someone even like a celebrity and then they die that's just the response that people have because you don't want to remember the things about them that maybe weren't that good you want to only remember the stuff that made you love them in the first place. Um, and so one thing I thought was really interesting watching that whole thing was I remember a lot of the Lincoln Park fans that I would run into online didn't like me because I pointed out the fact that like, yeah, Mike definitely was probably suicidal in his way too. And you can hear it in a lot of the music that he made for on his post-traumatic CD. And yeah, there's going to be a time where he's not going to be like around in the public light as much, and Lincoln Park will probably never get back together and put out new music, because it would be really hard to do that. It, not only personally, like really traumatizing and triggering for them, but also like hard in the way that the way that the band worked before doesn't exist anymore. And so, like, how can you how can you go back to that and make it work without this other person there? It's it would be very challenging. Um, and people get upset because they didn't want to give up on the idea that they would get back together one day, which I can understand why, especially with like grieving. But I also, I don't know, by that point I had gone through too much trauma stuff where I just like, couldn't, I didn't want to be like, um, putting my head in the sand about that. I, I like couldn't because I just knew too much about trauma that I was just like, I know that this likely is how these things are going to go. And yeah, that's how it's gone. It's been six years and they've never put out new music and they're in the same place that they were back in like 2018 and i can't blame them for it i honestly think that it would be a bad idea for them like personally like for their mental health if they tried to like go on tour again or if they tried to make new music because of how hard all of that would now be um but i i so when in 2020 when mike was doing those like weekly live streams at some point in like the fall and stuff i I stopped watching them, but at some point he stopped doing them and, um, and started finally being able to like mourn his friend in private and go through all of those changes that they, that his life needed to go through when a ginormous part of his life was suddenly gone. He was finally able to do it because, one thing with like that I noticed that I thought was kind of a unique thing for this situation, or I don't know if it was completely unique, but I found it to be was, um, part of the whole thing of of Mike's kind of journey of of having to like grieve Chester in a public way because being afraid about the fans, was that like he immediately went into making new music as a way to grieve him, which makes sense. That's the way that, like most musicians out there or most people who are creative like I when I get upset like when I get upset by something like if something happens that really upsets me and I um and if I have any paint at all in my apartment even if I don't have any like new canvases I will take a painting that I don't like as much off my wall and and paint because like doing that creative thing is the way that I cope with those upsetting feelings. And so for him going through all of that, he had to, that making music was his way of coping. And it also was this whole thing too of like, that he talked about a lot was that he had been making music with Chester since like 1998. And he was like scared that he wouldn't be able to do it anymore, that he wouldn't be able to make good music without him. And he needed to kind of like prove that he could, like he was so scared by that idea that he needed to prove to himself that he could do it. And so then he put all of his everything into putting out the post-traumatic CD. But the thing about that CD, though, is that the entire th- it's all about Chester. It's all about grieving him. And the entire CD is all about him, essentially. And what he went through when he died. And so there's... The thing that Mike was really, af- like, afraid of or, like, didn't know what was going to happen, like, I'm sure the other members of the band were also struggling with, too, was, like, what are, who are we now if we're not this band? Like, I never said this before, which I meant to, but um, Linkin Park was a band that was very much, like, always kind of doing something. Like, some bands will, like, take breaks for a few years and disappear, and then, like, come back and put out a new CD or whatever. But they never did that. Like, they put out their new CD in 2001. And from that time, every year, they were either, wor- like, working behind the scenes on- and, like, writing and recording a new CD. Or the new CD was out and they were touring for it. They never stopped. They, The longest break they took was in, like, 2016 when Chester was struggling with mental health stuff and so they're like forced to take a little bit longer of a break than they normally would have um but other than that they like were always putting out new music and new cds through the years and so him dying in 2017 was like the first time really since like 2000 when their first cd came out where they all like really were able to take a complete break and just like stop and just stop and Um, And so like, because of that, I would like, that would make like the whole grieving process also super complicated because it's like, we've never done this before. And so now like, who are we like, like, they still obviously love each other and care about each other. And will see each other regardless of if they're like making music, but like the band and making new music is what kind of like kept them all in each other's lives that way. So now you have to like make um, more of an effort to see each other. Now you're not going to see each other as often because you don't have, uh, like a CD to write. You don't have tours to go on together. Um, and, it, and, and also it's like a thing of like, after losing someone that way, do I even want to make music like that anymore? Um, do, is this what I want to do or do I, do I want to do something different? Is there something else that I want to do instead? Like, there's so many different things that, you would have to go through with that and you would and you have to figure that stuff out outside of the public eye where you have the time to really figure that out which is really hard when you have like a whole like fan base that's kind of like missing you and like wanting you to come back like it must be and like i know that chester and lincoln park is not the only group or musical group or artist or or like you know, celebrity to go through something like this. Like, um, like Chadwick Boseman, nobody had any idea, none, that he had cancer until he died from it. No one had any idea that he even was sick. And so that's kind of the same sort of thing that like people love him and miss him greatly. And he means so much to a lot of people. Um, that but like that grief is very different for for us as his like almost fans as opposed to what his like his wife and kids and his family feels about him being gone and it's just very it's a very complex thing I think for when a public figure like that dies because like part of your grief is always public but that can only go on for so long like like some of the ridiculous stuff that people would do about like Because the thing that tends to happen is that people like pick apart what you say, like people started picking apart what Mike would say publicly and be like, oh, maybe this is secretly about Chester. Every song that he puts out, people are always going to wonder if it's about Chester and the new like new artists that he likes, they're going to think like, do they remind him of Chester um, cause that stuff would happen if in like on Chester's birthday, if he didn't post anything on his Instagram, people would be like, oh, Mike doesn't care about him. But it's like, no, he felt obligated to, I imagine to post stuff like that the first couple of years, because they were the first year, the first two years after he was gone. But like at a certain point though, he has to be able to grieve the loss of this friend with, like, his family, with his kids, with his wife, with the other band members in a way, like, that only they can grieve him as. That people like us, like, as the audience, we just can't, we can't be involved in that because it becomes, it becomes way too hard. Like, um, and ironically, you kind of also saw that happen with the wife, the person he was married to when he died she um, she made her whole public persona kind of like starting a nonprofit in his name and um, and like grieving him. every post she made was about him and about missing him, how great their marriage was, how much she missed her um, him as her husband and the dad to her kids and all that kind of stuff. and then all the and so when she and then suddenly, out of nowhere, she announced that she was engaged. And then got married and then last year or in 2021 sometime announced after like a year that they were getting divorced. And but like it was a very, there wasn't like a gradual like thing when that happened. It was like her posting nonstop about how much she missed Chester. And then suddenly then literally the next day posting that she's not only with somebody else but engaged to that person and going to get married to them in a couple months. It like progressed very, very quickly because she, because her, she, because she kind of made her grief like her entire personality on social media. And when you do something like that, it be like when you make your grief so public, it be in like the way that she did, um, it makes it very hard then to kind of take that back and not because the, The part of that that became like very hard to deal with was that when you put your grief like that on social media online, for fans of this person that you were married to, to consume, then people feel like they are on like this journey with you, which is can be a good thing, but it also means that when you start to move on and you're afraid and you don't tell them about it, that they kind of have a right to be upset at you because. They felt like they felt like you were sharing this vulnerable part of your life and that they were sharing that vulnerability with you back. But then suddenly you like almost like pull back and slap them in the face with like, actually, no, none of this was really as real as what you thought because I've actually been with this person for a long time. And especially as like people realized who the person was that she was getting married and recognized them from like old instagram video she put up that and realizing that she had been that she was like already with that person only like six months or so after chester died it just it just kind of showed like the fakeness of that and like yeah that that like sharing your grief with like an audience that you only have a parasocial relationship with because they loved your husband that's always gonna have like a fakeness to it but it's also like it's hard then when it's hard for fans almost to realize that, to be like, shoved that in their face when they thought that something that was happening was actually real. And then realizing actually, no, it wasn't. This person has been hiding a huge parts of their life from me. And it's a very complicated thing of like, they're sharing this super personal stuff, but not sharing this other stuff. So how am I supposed to feel about it? That's that's kind of why like grief in these situations needs to be private it needs to be private because it's the only way that the people involved really have a chance at all of ever like dealing with it and working through like the PTSD the trauma from losing someone like that in a real way and being able to like move on with your life and deal with it with the help of a therapist hopefully (laughs) um because that's a huge loss that's a huge huge loss And the only way to deal with it is offline. And I, I don't know, I just, because Chester is someone that I've always felt a very huge connection to, even in the years before I realized why I felt that connection to, I like watching all of that happen, especially, it's just one of those weird things of my life that the time of my life when I was super duper depressed, that his story was something that I could get invested in that kind of helped me stay alive. Like ironically like his family being so horrible helped me realize that that's how bad my family would be so I was like I can't kill myself then and like watching like Mike Shinoda and especially Mike Shinoda in interviews just be like so grief-stricken about him and listening to the music where he was putting that out there and seeing how sad so many people were after he died reminded me of like okay even if I don't think my life means anything all these people are so sad that that he's gone and he probably felt the exact same way as me. So I need to then stay around because if these people are this sad about him, even though I'm not like this super famous, really talented singer, there's probably people in my life that I've met that would be this sad about me. And so I can't, so I can't die. I can't do that. And it's just, it was this really interesting thing for me to experience where the more healthy I got with my mental health, Like the more I saw also like in a weird way, Mike Shinoda also seemed to get healthier with dealing with the grief that he was dealing with and being able to finally put his private life back in like private and not feel like he needs to put everything out there anymore. And I'm really like, honestly, it sounds weird because COVID was obviously horrific Um, but I, but at least for them, for him and the other members of the band too, I feel like it was actually a really almost good thing for them to experience for that to happen at that time, because it gave him a reason to kind of be at home and like work through all of that. Like part of the fear that he had with music was that he couldn't, he was afraid that he couldn't make music without it being about Chester or, um, with him there and like, after all of that happened COVID happening where they couldn't do like tours or anything like that still even now people aren't touring like they normally would and it's been like three years that time gave him a bunch of time to figure out how to like make music how to be creative again out without Chester around to like pump an up, pump him up and like without him there is like a, a person to like bounce things off of and it and he figured it out eventually he figured it out like people are always asking him if he's going to put out a new cd but honestly i'd be surprised if he did just because of the commitment that would take and and it's kind of one of those things of like post-traumatic was such this like amazing vulnerable emotional this is like my soul in a cd sort of thing and after you make a cd like that it's almost like i don't like I don't want an artist to go back and make another CD of music unless they feel just as passionate about what they're making as they did when they made that CD without like the mind-numbing grief this time but still like I that passion has to be so high for you to be able to get art like that out once you've once you've completed something like that CD and um and honestly it's weird because I feel like I feel like the weird Linkin Park fan but It honestly makes me glad that he's never tried to make another CD since then. And he's, I don't like him doing NFTs because of how bad they are for the environment. But I'm glad that he's like, you know, finding he's, he's like making NFTs and things like that and like spending time making different art pieces and making, putting out new music songs with like different artists that he's wanted to collaborate with and being able to like produce more songs and write more songs and do more like behind the scenes stuff. Now that he's not like the one of the two front people of a band. Um, it like makes me happy to see him being able to still be creative and the, and like still like the other members of the band being around a little bit, um, being much more private than he is, but still. And it just makes me happy to see that he's been able to find a way to be creative still after all of that. And, and it's weird. That's why I say I feel like the weirdest Lincoln Park fan, because it makes me happy that they're not putting out new music. And it makes me happy that he's like not touring and he's not putting out a CD and he's not doing more of that. Because it means that he's actually healing. (laughs) He it means that he's actually like recovering from that horror that like just huge trauma, like huge, huge trauma of that loss that he's actually taking the time to stop and like work through what he wants to do because like a loss like that would take years to recover from like years and years and years. And it's so nice to like see, it's very rare I feel to find somebody in the public space, like a celebrity that is able to kind of disappear like that and really take the time to, um, to do that without like just going back because it's easier and more fun to get like, utter admiration from the fans but this is one circumstance where I feel like it worked out the best way it possibly could and yeah I hope that any other artist who uh, any of their band that ever loses someone tragically like this I want to believe it won't happen again but I'm not that naive that I hope that they can almost go back and look at this situation and get an organ advice from them as how to deal with it because like this situation is pretty much the best case scenario of like how to handle when one of your best friends who is also the lead singer and co-writer of your band just dies like that. Um, instead of all the other ways that people handle it, sometimes that's really not so good. <laughs>